This is North Pod, a North Melbourne fan podcast, hosted by Jason Hunt. Hello and welcome to this special episode of North Pod celebrating the career of of Ben Cunnington. Um, obviously finished up on the weekend against Essendon. Uh, it's been a couple of days since that game and I think just thinking about it all, it was, you know, a fantastic way to go out and... I said on the podcast after the game that, you know, I, I couldn't think of a better way for him to go out aside from the, getting the win. And I think, you know, it couldn't be more true. I think he's just such a fantastic, fantastic bloke. So much, so much to like about the way that he went about it. So I'm just going to spend the next 10, 15, 26 hours, whatever it, um, whatever ends up being, kind of talking about, you know, my memories of, of his career. And yeah, I'm sure... I'm sure there's lots to lots to talk about. Well, I know there is. Um, so just in terms of his quick stats, he, he played 238 games, kicked 98 goals, uh, was a Sid Barker medalist in 2014 and 2019, and was a runner-up in 2015, 17, 18, and 2021. So quite a tremendous run, really, from 2014 to 2021. He was first or second every year except for 2016 and then in 2020 he was injured for most of the year with that back sort of I think it was a back or a neck one of the two um, and and barely played any matches but yeah such a dominant period there from 2014 to 2021 obviously we know that 2022 he, he just played the last couple of games having come back from from cancer, and then he played the first however many six or seven matches this year before um, just having his farewell this week. So, yeah, some fantastic numbers there. Obviously, would have, you know, if he hasn't had his cancer battle or that massive back injury, he'd be finishing in the 260s, 270s in terms of games played. Um, but an absolute warrior. Um, that 2014, 15, 16 period where we were, you know, in with a chance, he was instrumental in that and just an absolute, absolute contested bull. So yeah, I I do, I remember the 2009 draft. He was the pick number five. Um, it's interesting. That's my year 12 year. So I, I remember that draft year really, really specifically because, you know, obviously I, I wasn't any chance being drafted, I wasn't playing footy at this point, but it's kind of that, I was at that point in my life where I'm thinking, gee, if I was, like I'd be getting drafted now if if I was a good footy player, <laughs> um, if I was any good. So, yeah, one of those players that, um, you know, he took a little while to get going. He, he pretty much played straight away, but it wasn't until his fifth season where he was hitting that Sid Barker level 2014, he won it. Um, so I think reflecting on that does make you think that someone like Wardlaw, like sure he's come in and he's been exciting, but, um, even someone like Ben Cunnington took several years to get going and get to the, 
that elite consistent level. So it does take patience. Sheasel has been tremendous this year, but um, there aren't many that that it clicks for that fast. And, um, you know, I, I wouldn't even say that he was a super slow bird. I just think he, he took, took his time. He He's never been a super fit fit runner, but he, he used his strengths so well. Speaking of his strength, I mean, I think we all associate Cunners with... With the fend-off, there's a few players during the week, or ex-players, I should say, like Daisy Thomas, Lee Montagna, that were reflecting on what it felt like to be, to get a don't argue from, from Cunners. And while I think probably the media and you know the wider fo- football public would associate Dusty with the fend-off, I think certainly North Melbourne fans uh, would associate that with more so with, with Cunners. There's been a few videos this week of just compilations of him fending players off and and just you know absolutely poleaxing him, and I think you know reflecting on what his year's been like this year, it, he has struggled to to have that same capacity to fend off. He's given a few off, don't you worry, but he has been more inconsistent with that, and I think that kind of shows that he's really struggled to get back to absolute peak Ben Cainton form that he that he had pre cancer diagnosis. But yeah, just an absolute fend-off beast, and also one of the best handballers I've ever seen. I know you know I'm only young. Spent plenty of good handballs in our time or in the AFL in AFL history, but had a really long, great long handball, quick hands out of a contest. Like one, I would say North Melbourne's most damaging handballer in, in the time that I've watched football. Just. It's worth a kick, if that makes sense, because he was either handballing at 30 metres or he was giving it really quickly to someone who could then kick at 55 metres. Great. Such a contested ball winner, clearance-based, and, um, yeah, I mean, we we don't have someone like him in the side to replace him, unfortunately. We've got some contested players, but in terms of clearances, handballing, and strength in fend-off, we just... We don't have that player, but hopefully someone like a Wardlaw can can go some of the way to replacing that role. I think, you know, for the last 10 years, it's been Goldstein down to Cunnington and um, we're obviously both of those players going to be moving on either this year or next year. So we, we need to find maybe it is Cherry down t- to Wardlaw. I, I don't think it is. Um, but we, we need to find that new combination that's going to take us forward for the next five years or so um, because Cunnington has just been such a reliable player from that perspective. I think my my favourite Ben Cunnington moment on the field, because he's had some big moments, he's had a massive contested possession game, um, he's had obviously plenty of massive fend-off games, but... I think his winning goal against West Coast in Perth 2021 in the wet. Um, I use part of that audio for my for my intro to the podcast just because I remember it so so vividly. Like 2021 was not a good season for us, much like any of the past four or five seasons. But that win in Perth was massive, and he played such a big part in that with his his late goal. That I think for me that's. That specific moment is my favourite memory. He's also had some fantastic finals performances in those 2014 and 2015 years, um, one of which he won the Sid Barker and the other he came runners-up and 
and yeah, I mean he had he's absolutely had influence on on some of those big matches. Another of my favourite memories of him, the same year that Sid Barker in 2021, I think we all remember that was um, after his cancer diagnosis. So that he was zooming in for part of the, the ceremony and we got a real insight into his emotions, which I think at that point was the first time that we'd really got to see his emotional side because he was runner-up in the 2021 Sid Barker only playing... I think it was like 15 games, or maybe it was 17, but he, he certainly missed quite a lot towards the end of the season. And um, yeah, as part of his, I guess, acceptance or his contribution to the Sid Barker that night, um, he zoomed in and he was he was pretty teary. And we've seen that a couple of times now with with his retirement speech and a few other things. But at that time, I think that was kind of when the the broader football public fell in love with with him. There's nothing quite like tragedy to to bring people together and to to get others around you. I think unfortunately that sometimes is what it takes, but um, that was that sticks out in my memory really clearly as an iconic Ben Cunnington moment. And I think that was the start of you know, as I say, people understanding a bit more about who he is as a person and the fact that, sure, he comes across as this this farm bloke that has no feelings, but obviously he does have feelings. He's, you know, he's, he's a human being and I think he kind of, he showed a bit of that on that night and, and in, that, in that video. In terms of other things that I could reflect on with Cunners, I mean... Another aspect of his game was that he was a fantastic contested overhead mark for his size. Obviously, he's a, he's a strong midfielder, but he's not a big, tall midfielder. Um, and I do have... There's, there's plenty of memories I have of him just, just clunking a contested mark or even taking a little mini hanger on the wing. He's, those hands, again, it's just those farm hands. They're so strong and and big, and he could take a fantastic contested mark and I think you know what we're what we've seen from him so much is that and it's come up this week a lot North Melbourne allowed him to just work his strengths like his strength was handballing contested ball Um, he could take those contested marks as I said and he could fend off Um, we we allowed him to excel in using those strengths and we didn't necessarily worry about the fact that he couldn't cover the ground as well as other midfielders and he, he wasn't super fast. You know, obviously this year it's been hard to, hard to have him in the side for for that reason because he really has lost some pace and lost the capacity to run out, run out games. But, you know, he's never been that player and I think that's something that the North Melbourne coaching staff and I guess Brad Scott was his coach for most of his career was able to get so much out of him because... You know, as I said, we weren't worrying about the, what he couldn't do. We were we were worrying about what he did do and, and putting him in situations that allowed him to have success with that. So fantastic that we were able to capitalize on that and it just shows, yeah, the, the sorts of skills that he had in that area. I think obviously I've, I've touched on it, but it, w- it would be remiss not to talk about the fact that he's had that testicular cancer diagnosis and it's, you know, recurred. He's had, had a couple of recurrences. And that's made it really difficult for him to play football over the past 18 to 24 months. But I think, you know, obviously we've all been touched by cancer in different ways. I've had cancer 
touch people close to me and it does it puts things into perspective for you I think um, and you can see that for him and for people around the club and in AFL circles having having he and Sam Doherty kind of go through similar things at a similar time period has been a positive for the AFL industry in terms of what it's allowed people to see, but obviously, you know, not a positive for the people at all. Don't get me wrong. I just think it's it's showed, or he has showed such tremendous strength to to return from that. And, you know, he hasn't been back to his best, but Carrington at sort of 70 or 80% is still a, a really good player. And we saw that on the weekend. He, he came back in after having not played at AFL level for a couple of months and didn't look like he'd, he'd missed a step, really. Um, it has really, to me, really similar vibes to that Jason McCartney match all those years ago where he came back after the Bali bombings. And just the fact that he was able to get back and play was enough for him. Um, he retired immediately after the game, which is obviously a little bit different to, to the way that Ben did it. But I think it is that, you know, a lot of these players that make it to AFL level are so competitive. And I think... I think for, for Connors, just the fact that he was able to say, look, cancer didn't beat me. I came back to play and then I've gone out on my own terms is, you know, just sums him up, really. He wasn't going to be beaten by it. And, um, yeah, just what what resilience. I think linking into that, the fact that he was able to, to play with Wardlaw and kind of pass, pass the mantle on to him in some ways was was so good to see on the weekend. I know... Um, they're not, you know, exactly alike players, uh, but they're both inside mids. Wardlaw, I think, can run a bit more than Cunnington, <laughs> Cunnington can, which, which isn't hard. The t- to see them out there together, and um, you know, it is a bit of a passing of the baton. We we kind of hope as North Melbourne fans that that Wardlaw can can do what Cunnington's done for for the next fourteen, fifteen years for us again, um, and be that inside contested contested bull um, that remains to be seen obviously a long way to go and Wardlaw's played eight or nine games but seeing them together there was fantastic to see just a couple of final points I think I've talked about the game he the way that he was interacted with after after the match and coming off the ground and seeing all of the North Melbourne players like Simkin and LDU and, and McDonald ca- helping with carry his kids off whilst Zeebel and Goldie are actually carrying him off. Like, you can see that both both Ben and his family are just so well-loved and and looked after by people at the club. And I think it's so easy to get swept up in the fact that North Melbourne's been such a poor, to- poor side over the last several years and... Obviously, that's super frustrating and we get angry with the players and we get frustrated, but at the end of the day, they are just, you know, they're just people and from what I can see from the outside, such a fantastic community of people. Yeah, it was just, it really brought tears to the eye watching watching Cunners come off at the end of that game and the way that, as I say, the players, the coaching staff from both sides, all the fans... Um, got around the event and I think everyone just understood that, you know, we, we've seen the last of, sure, a great player, but a fantastic person um, on the football field. I think he's the sort of bloke that you'd just love to have a chat to. I don't know that he'd love to have a chat to me. And, I, like, I respect that, you know. Like, I think that he just wants to be his own person and and do his job, which he's done a fantastic job of. And then, 
you know, spend time with the family, which is what he's said in his interviews about 75 weeks, about 75 times this week. Just looking forward to going back on the farm. The last thing that I want to talk about, obviously he was notoriously camera shy, didn't like the media and didn't like sort of spotlight. And I think it's been great this week that either he's been forced or um, he's kind of let a bit of media happen. He was mic'd up at training and he's been interviewed several times and, I think it's been great to see a bit more of his personality this week, even if it, he hasn't enjoyed it. I, I think you do kind of have to let it happen in these circumstances and embrace it a bit, and I think he has done that. But I just know, I feel like this is going to be pretty much the last that we see of him in the public, I think. I you know, I can't see a situation where he's going to be a, an assistant coach or you know, he's not going to do a Drew Petrie or a or a boomer and go and be a runner, I think. I think this is it for him in football. I'm sure he'll stay in touch with a couple of boys from the club, but um, I can't see him staying, you know. I think this is it for him in public life, and I, I think that's fantastic. It's his life to live now. He can worry about whatever it is that people on the farm worry about and spend that time with his young kids and his wife. Yeah, I just think he and North Melbourne as a club went so well together. We're a low-profile club. Like, no one really cares about us in the the big football bubble um, and you know that probably allowed him to have levels of anonymity probably at least the first 10 or so years of his career I think the cancer battle and um, that kind of thing in the last few years has, has given the, the broader public an idea of who he is but you know prior to that I'm sure he could have walked down the street and and not get recognized by too many people I think that's one of the great benefits of being a North Melbourne player if you are a bit more shy or you know, you don't want that that spotlight. I think it's really worked for him and it's allowed him to to thrive. So I do hope that, you know, every now and then he might come come down to the club or, you know, we might see him every so every couple of years in some capacity. But I, as I said, I don't expect that we'll be seeing him um, much more than that in the future. And I think, you know, we he doesn't he doesn't owe us anything because he's done such a fantastic job on the field for for the past 10 to, 10 to 15 years. So, as I said with Zebes, um, all the best, Ben. You've, you've been a fantastic player, one of my favourites over the past 10 or so years, and I wish I wish you all the best. I know I know you'll be listening to North Pod just like all the players do, um, and I yeah can't thank you enough and, and good luck for the rest the rest of your your life. That's it for the pod. Hope you enjoyed this. This little midweek episode, two games to go for the year, so let's let's stay positive. And um, yeah, I'll talk to you all after the Richmond game and after we obviously beat them again. We're going to make it two years in a row that we upset them for sure. I've got absolutely no doubt at all. Have a great rest of the week and as always, go ahead. Thanks for listening to another episode of North Pod. Please subscribe to the podcast on your app and give me a rating or review if you can. I'd really appreciate it. You can find me on all social media at North Pod Show. That's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, TikTok, threads. You name it, I'm there. I'll see you next episode.